We are at the end of the year, and what a year it's been. A year that we did not expect a lot of the things that happened. A year it seemed that time was cut short for many. You see, all of us are given time on this earth, and what we do with it does matter. Today we're going to be talking about spending time. Each of us know that it's important how we spend our time, but we neglect to follow through on what we know. Today we're going to be specifically looking at three things when it comes to spending time. Number one, time reading the word. Number two, time talking to the Lord. And number three, time with godly influences. All three of these are necessary for a follower of Jesus Christ. Number one, time reading the word. Why would that be so important? Well, it's important for conviction of sin. And we see this in 2 Kings 22, verses 8 through 13. It specifically says this, Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house, and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Achbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, and Asiah, the servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. What's interesting here is that we see earlier in the chapter that Josiah comes to become king at eight years of age. Very young boy. And it says specifically that he walked as David did in doing what was right before the Lord. Josiah, in fact, made it a point to turn back to God, even though there were many before him that did not do the same thing. In fact, those in his family, if you will, turned their backs on God. His father Amnon and grandfather Manasseh were both wicked kings. God ultimately did not define him, though, by his horrible family background, but rather honored him in the line of David and ultimately in the line of Messiah, which is actually quite incredible if you think about it. This is a big point of application for all of us. Just because your family may be disregarding God um, and not caring for the things of God's word does not mean that you and I have to do the same thing. We are not meant to follow in the footsteps of those that disregard the things of God. We don't have to follow in their footsteps. Josiah does what is right, even though he had not that many great influences before him. In fact, he's humble enough to admit, even though this is actually years later, after he's become king, when the book of the law is found, he's humble enough to admit, we failed God in so many other ways than we even realize. This is the heart of someone that really 
already walks with God, but as soon as God reveals something else to him, they're convicted over that as well. It's important for all of us to read the Word of God. It's important for conviction of sin in our own lives. It's also important for spiritual battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, we read these words. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of, the, of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You see, there's a bigger issue than whether the government gives us the stimulus package or gives us a bigger check, if you will. There's a spiritual battle that we're all in. The real battle is not really between you and others. It's between spiritual forces of wickedness. The one thing that many of us tend to forget is the battle begins in our mind, and it distracts us from what matters most, which is the spiritual battle that we're in. Paul, in fact, tells Timothy, his spiritual son, that there's a battle that he must fight, and that battle might be over some simple things in life, such as contentment. Something I think a lot of us struggle with, especially this year. Look at 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 12. It says this, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and to, into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and can have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You see, there were many followers of Jesus, just as they, they're around today, that want the good life and Jesus at the same time. And many times they prefer the good life over Jesus. We all have that struggle to prefer the things that Christ offers us more than him. Paul is telling Timothy that you've got to understand there's nothing that you can acquire on this earth from a possession standpoint that compares to what Christ has already given you and those things that are waiting for you in, in eternity. The word ultimately is essential to know where you trip up in sin, to realize that you actually are in a spiritual battle. And it's also essential for sharing with others. For sharing with others. In Acts chapter 28, verses 23 through 24, we read these words. It says this, So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, 
to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets, from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. Very simply put, the word of God is given to you and me to share with others. If we keep it to ourselves, we're missing the point of why we even have been given the word to begin with. Paul the Apostle here is ministering to the Jewish leaders and starts breaking down the law of Moses and the prophets. The word of God is not just for you and me, for, for our own edification, if you will. It's designed to be shared with others. It's, it's, be, it's designed ultimately to be shared with others that are in need of hope that you and I have. People will respond just like they did with Paul here. Some are persuaded by what he said. Others think it's, frankly, ridiculous. There's no reason to believe that. And others said, we'll wait and see. We'll talk to you again about this. People are going to have those responses when we share the word of God with them. But it's important that we're in the word so that we can share the word. Make it a goal to take the time to read God's word this year. And spend time also, number two, talking to the Lord. Time talking to the Lord. Why, why is that so important? Well, the first thing we're going to look at here is in Psalm 119, 33 through 34. It's for confession of sin. For confession of sin. Listen to what it says. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. One of the reasons why David is such a man after God's own heart is because he valued the word of God. He valued the word of God to the point that he always made sure to make confession of his sin before God. God's word was so valuable that when David gleaned more from the law, he realized who he was once again. It's very probable that you and I don't have as much love for the Word of God as David does here because we probably rarely confess sin out of an honest, open heart over what God has recently revealed in our reading. See, this is one of the difficulties for us is many of us, we ask for forgiveness in a generic way, if you will, without any particulars. See, David realized the particulars in his life. David was far from perfect. He had many flaws and ultimately committed some pretty serious sins. But he always knew that he went back to the, when he went back to the law of God to go back and confess his sin before God. It's not only good to talk to God when it comes to our sin, but also for help with struggles. For help with struggles. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, here's what we read. Seeing then that we have a great high priest... Who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, 
yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, not every struggle in this life will be a struggle with sin, but every struggle should be brought before God in prayer. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ has endured much himself when he was on this earth. You see, Jesus can ultimately connect with us on many levels that we may many times probably don't even realize. He can connect with our financial struggles because he himself grew up in a poor family. He ultimately didn't even have a place that he could call his own as he was walking around teaching his disciples. He can connect with us on even our spiritual or even emotional suffering that we, we struggle with when he experienced loss in his connection with his own Heavenly Father. And even having his friends turn their back on him. You see, many of us, we feel alone and separated because others don't seem to care for us. Or they've ignored us. Defriended us, if you will. You realize Jesus can relate to you and me? He was betrayed by one of his best friends. He knows exactly what we've been through or maybe even going through right now. There's nothing that you and I have gone through in this life that we can't bring to the Father's attention because he sent Jesus Christ to be one of us. In all points, he was tested just as we are, but without sin. So why is this important that we talk to God, if you will? It's also important to, that we talk to God because we have an important task when it relates to others. For intercession on behalf of others. For intercession on behalf of others. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4, I know we've done this, these verses recently. It's important as a reminder once again. Therefore, I exert, first of all, exhort first of all that, all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. One of the things that I find probably the most difficult to do is to pray for people instead of complaining about them. I don't know if that's true for you. I just find it much easier to just be upset with what others have not done than to pray for what they have done and thank God for that. It's much easier to just get upset about what government gets wrong, what our family doesn't understand about us, or even the church neglects in the way they take care of us than it is to go back to God and to bring that request to him. You see, the text we've already looked at previously in depth when we spoke of thanksgiving and its importance, its importance in our lives, the truth still applies today. That when we talk to God, we should also talk to God on behalf of others. It's not just about us. It's not just about what we want or even our own needs. It's also to intercede on behalf of others. Many times we don't understand the pressure that others are under when they make those decisions that they make. Sometimes it seems ridiculous that somebody would make that poor choice that they made. But maybe instead of pointing it out right away, we take it to the Lord in prayer and intercede on their behalf, just as Jesus does for us. So don't just take time to read the Word of God and talk to God. Make it a point also this year 
to spend time with godly influences. It makes a difference. Number three, time with godly influences. Now, why would this be so important? Why would time with godly influences make that much of a difference? Well, first of all, for encouragement and troubles. We see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. Listen to what it says. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. If there's one thing that I think is really underestimated in the church is the importance of godly influences in their life. Sadly, what happens to a lot of us is we turn to all the wrong people for advice. When we're going through a struggle with sin, we don't go to the godliest among us. We go to the ones that are struggling just as we are. When we're going through some things when it comes to a personal struggle that we may be facing from a financial standpoint or maybe even an emotional one, we go to all the wrong people to help with the support that we're looking for. Look for the godly influences in your life. If you're not sure who that might be, talk to your pastor. Talk to a church leader. Have them point you in the right direction when it comes to this. You see, none of us have it all figured out. That's why we all need encouragement. All of us need encouragement in our lives. When we go through hard times, there's always somebody that God sends our way to build us back up. It's one of the means by which we help one another. As this text says here, to edify one another. And he says specifically, just as you also are doing, they've already been doing this. This church has already been doing this. And Paul's saying, hey, keep doing this. This is so important. Sadly, many of us neglect to do this. We give up. We give in. And we end up falling. We fall into sin. We fall into depression. We fall flat on our face. And we sadly don't have the strength to get back up. Part of that reason is we've been looking to the wrong people to help us. So it's important to look to godly influences. We need that time with godly influences. This is going to be an investment you're going to need to make, and I need to make. It's also important for godly living in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Look at what it says. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. But always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. You see, we start turning many times to those that are fun rather than those that are godly. Those that are going to be there to give us a good laugh rather than those, of a, those that would give us a reality check, if you will. Now, do we all need those friends that sometimes will brighten our mood? Absolutely. Um, in fact, Scripture says that a, a merry heart is good. It's, it's good to laugh sometimes especially when we might be going to some difficult times. But sometimes that laughter is really just a ignoring of reality. And that's not good for us. In fact, there's a reason God has placed spiritual people and leaders in your life. They're there to help you. There are times that you and I go astray, and that's why these godly influences are so important, because they make sure that we get back on the right track. They make sure that we no longer live in sin, that we live holy before God. Parents, you're to be that godly influence in your children's lives. 
Are you doing that? If you're struggling to figure out exactly how to do that, why don't you find somebody that is a godly parent, someone that's raised their children well, that's done things the right way, if you will, and ask them for input, for insight. You see, what you and I need is someone to correct our misunderstandings and misapplications of the Word of God. We all have them. It's important that we know what they are. What you need is someone that is going to be willing to tell you the truth, even though it might hurt. A misunderstanding of Scripture can lead to a very serious misapplication of Scripture as well. You need to be encouraged to live a godly life. But also, why do you need a godly influence? You need a godly influence for furthering the gospel. We see this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Look at what it says. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. So what makes Paul's relationship with Timothy so special is not just that Paul spiritually influenced him, it's the opportunity that Timothy had to minister with him in the gospel message. You see, one of the reasons why godly influences are so important is that they're there to help us in sharing the gospel message with other people. You need people that want others to know about Christ if you're a disciple of Jesus. Why is that so important? Because that's exactly what God has called you and me to do. We are to be ministers of the gospel to other people. We're there to share the gospel message to anyone that will listen. And there's no better way to do that than to partner with someone else that also has that same desire, if you will. We're called to be disciples who make disciples. A disciple is simply a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing more amazing about being a good follower of Jesus Christ than wanting others to follow him with you. You're called to do this in a community context. This isn't something that we're meant to do by ourselves. We're called to do this as a church body. This is one of the reasons why the gospel message goes forward much better when the church partners. When the church comes together as one and says the gospel is so essential that we're coming together to make sure that our people find it a priority to share with those that they know. So as we've looked at all these things, in conclusion, I just have a very simple question. A very simple question. How will you spend your time? How will you spend your time? Will you make it a point to read the Word? Did you start well this year? Did you finish strong? Or just drop out, maybe halfway through? You're going to make it a point? Are you going to spend the time that's needed to read the Word this next year? What about when it comes to talking to God? What's your prayer life been like? Has it been important to you to come to God on behalf of your sin or even others and their struggle? Maybe others and their need. Have you made it a priority this year to go to God in prayer? How's that connection been with him? Is it just a mere formality? Or have you found a closeness that you've longed for? 
Maybe you're lacking in fellowship with other godly believers. Maybe that's the point of contention for you. Maybe you've gotten to that point right now where, you know what? This is what's lacking, but I've really just not wanted to admit it. Let me encourage you to join in fellowship with other believers. To make it a priority to be in church, to be in fellowship with other faithful followers of Jesus. To make it a point to spread the gospel message with others that want Christ to be known to the nations. It does matter who you spend your time 